Becky, I have a weird story for you. Let's hear it. One day I was talking about condoms just with my friends, and one of them had said they never knew that condoms came flavored. So I set it out on that day. I Ubered right to the mall, got a whole bunch of flavored condoms. We went into a classroom that day, and we just ripped up a bunch of flavored condoms and started tasting them. I just wanted my friends to know that flavored condoms exist. You know, safe oral sex is out there if you're looking for it. But a teacher decided to just wander in as we're sucking on flavored condoms in the middle of a classroom at my high school. So that's probably the weirdest thing that's happened to me in the sexual health world. Are the condoms outside of your door flavored? Because I took one and I kind of want to try a flavored condom. Okay, so right now I'm all out of flavored condoms, but I do have an array of rainbow colors <laughs> for my nonprofit. What flavors do they even come in? Do they have exotic ones? Do they have like mango? I think they do. I wonder if they have papaya. That's a game changer. Papaya is a really mild fruit, though. That's true. It probably would just taste like latex. I'm I'm a mango lady. Newsflash: All flavored condoms taste like latex. Good to know. Good to know. All right, and you're listening to the talk <laughs> with Casey Miller and Becky Demar. For our first episode ever, we are going to give our listeners lesson in what's going on in the world in terms of sex education. Specifically the U.S. because it is not not so hot right now. It's pretty dismal and depressing. <laughs> I'm going to be real. So over 20% of states in the U.S. have no sex ed or HIV education mandate. But of those states, four rank in the top six in highest teenage birth rates. So there's definitely a correlation between those. Mississippi has the highest teen birth rates. Arkansas, number three. Texas, number four. And Louisiana, number six. I think education is... A human right and that's my view i think sex education is part of education therefore i think sex education is a human right so i think the fact that this is happening is completely disturbing so we got to really work on that and that's why today we're going to do exposing of the crazy stuff that's going on in classrooms a little later on so let's just do some comparison so as of now, 37 states require that abstinence is taught, and of those 37, 26 require that abstinence is stressed. Okay, so compare that to the 17 states that require that information on contraception is provided when sex ed is taught. Think about it. You're teaching kids who will inevitably listen to human nature at some point. Maybe not all of them, but I would say um, a good instincts. amount. Okay, yes. Um, I mean, like we're as, all here because yeah, our parents human, had sex. Y'all. Exactly. So somebody exactly. somewhere is divulging in sex as we speak. Instead of telling kids, okay, here is how to listen to your instincts in a safe way, you're telling them you're going to wait until marriage. And it just boggles my mind that in states with no sex ed or HIV education, many. Okay, so let's just put aside sex ed for a second and just talk about HIV. There are states in our country that don't even teach students how to keep themselves safe from information too. It's so simple, a simple health class, a simple health unit. I mean, lives can be ruined. Yeah, and I mean, people just need to know how to get tested, how to keep themselves safe. Now with all the advances we've made, I feel like a lot of people should be learning like what to do after. Okay, so you are tested positive for HIV. What do you do now? A lot of programs don't have that, and it's really important because people don't realize. It's always a shock to me when I tell them that 
with the modern medicine that we have now, if you are tested early and you found that you have HIV early and you get put on proper medication, there is no difference in life life expectancy. Point is, you get tested, you find out you have HIV, and your goal is to get undetected, which means you can't even transmit it to another person. And people don't even know that. Exactly. That's a huge problem. Basically, there are seven states in our country where they have legislatively mandated that it's illegal to talk about LGBTQ health in the classroom. I mean, that right there is complete bigotry. It's a systemic attack on my community because they have acknowledged that LGBTQ health needs to be disseminated and they've actively said, we don't want to put that out there into our country. So this isn't like ignorance. This isn't, oh, no promo homo, because if we tell them how to keep themselves healthy, then they might start coming out more. More people will turn gay, which is not the fact. Exactly. And this isn't just no access to information. I mean, this is sending the message to thousands of students, middle, middle school, high school students, that there's a stark difference between the way heterosexual and homosexual people should be treated and included in terms of who is protected and who should receive protection. I mean, if you're only focusing on basically on straight sex, then, okay, that's sending the message to so many people that their health is not accounted for. Their health isn't important. And think about the mental toll. Exactly. As a gay teenager in a health class and you don't see, you're just thinking, oh, maybe I'm gay. What even is gay? What does it mean to be gay? Maybe I'm transgender. And you're just now having these thoughts. And it's a really critical point in your life to figure out who you are. And so you are all of a sudden in a classroom. You're sitting down at health. And you don't see any information that matches the family unit that you see in the future. That pushes the part of you that you feel um, or that you're questioning even deeper, deeper down And, like, you just completely block it off. And so I can imagine the mental toll. Also, I would say building an inclusive community within a school, just excluding sex ed for an entire demographic, that I feel like that just lack of education just breeds prejudice and bigotry, Mm -hmm. especially in communities where it's less accepted to be gay. chosen some actual abstinence-only lessons that have been taught in schools in the United States that have been oh, documented. No. Honestly, this is this is going to really shock you probably, unless you've been in it. The LA Times reported that a Mississippi school district uses a peppermint patty in sex ed classes. They basically ask students to pass around the peppermint patty to gauge how dirty it gets when it's, when it's touched by so many people. Um, And it pretty much conveys that a girl is no longer clean or valuable after having sex. Notice that Peppermint Patty has a female gender. It clearly is reflecting mostly upon the female and their role in sex as opposed to the male. And really misogynistic in the way that it's kind of sending the message that girls are dirtied by sex, whereas the male is left unaffected by it. You know what's really interesting? I had a conversation once with somebody. There is no word in the English language that conveys the same meaning for men as slut does for women. 
that's that's totally true. Because I think when we talked about it, and the only word that came remotely close was fuckboy. But fuckboy isn't really a completely negative, demeaning term. A lot of people go after them as like a... I've heard that be a thing, that a type, you know? What people would say are fuckboys are like athletic, attractive men. That's very true, Whereas sluts are like completely demeaned, mm -hmm. completely... So, I mean, that just goes to show like our language doesn't even allow for a word that conveys the same meaning as what society sees women who have had too much sex of what they say is too much sex. Our next example of a lesson is used tape. Piece of tape is stuck to a student's arm, removed, repeated. It's just meant to show that the tape loses its ability to stick after coming into contact with multiple people. So it's the idea that it's hard to have an emotionally fulfilling relationship after having multiple sexual partners. And of course, we know that's not true, but it basically teaches kids that sex is damaging to the site, creating anxiety. It's all covered in debris, so somewhat less pure, very similar to the peppermint patty. A lot of these analogies are all about how you're losing your purity or you're losing your perfection after you have sex. A lot of these are taught by abstinence until marriage programs that are scarily enough funded by our government. The Title V Abstinence Education Grant Program has received over $1.75 billion in federal funding since it was created, and it grants funds based on the proportion of low-income kids in each state. So representatives of these programs are bringing a lot of these lessons to schools. They've been cited for using these shame and guilt-based methods, but they're still receiving federal funding. So the third chewed up gum okay so this canyon texas school teaches its sixth graders to stay like a new toothbrush wrapped up and unused people want to marry a virgin just like they want a virgin toothbrush or stick of gum that is coming from the lesson plan for a teacher that she posted on social media and it went viral twitter it's part of their reality check curriculum that It teaches students that once they have sex, they will just accumulate more and more debris and dirt. They'll get chewed up like a piece of gum and used. It's pretty much implying that sex entails being used as opposed to actually, you know, establishing an emotional attraction with someone, which is what healthy and safe sex should be about. So another damaging lesson that just gives students like all the wrong connotations with sex. I think this is probably the most common. This one in the peppermint patty, I think I've heard the most from actual people. You would be surprised how often these lessons are taught in schools. With all of these lessons, a huge problem is one, that you aren't allowed to form emotional connections or form very good relationships after having sex with other partners. And that's just not true. I don't know why these lessons are getting funded. There's no science behind them at all. Second, for survivors of sexual assault, sexual harassment, and rape, these lessons are really, really detrimental. The idea that if you've had sex before, all of a sudden you are less pure or you're less wanted. Well, what happens if having sex wasn't what you wanted? Some of you may have heard of Elizabeth Smart. She became a household name 
after she was kidnapped from her home in Salt Lake City, Utah at the age of 14 and held in captivity for nine months, forced into a polygamous marriage and eventually escaped that marriage. And now in her mid-20s, she runs a foundation to help educate kids about sex crimes. She recalls receiving an abstinence-only sex education as a rape victim, she reflects on how damaging it was to her and how it made her feel worthless, filthy, and dirty. Quoting her, she says, when she was hearing this, she thought, oh my gosh, I'm that chewed up piece of gum. Nobody rechews a piece of gum. You throw it away. You really see how easy it is to associate that chewed up gum example with feelings of worthlessness and misogyny. It It's really shocking how insensitive it is to student psyche it's just disgusting in my mind that they would say these kinds of things for people who are survivors of sexual assault in that classroom so elizabeth smart is talking about what she remembered after that after the fact of learning that lesson what about people in that classroom learning that it breaks my heart we just got to get that shit out of the classroom start bringing in some facts honey please (laughs) i don't need no bullshit in my classroom no bullshit. We don't teach dumb stuff. Well, no, we do, t- we do teach dumb stuff in some classrooms. Let me get that straight. <laughs> but I'm talking about like in math class. I'm pretty class, sure Penn has like a meditation class. But like in math class, we don't teach 10 plus 1 equals 13. No 10 plus 1 equals 11. So let's make sure sex education is completely accurate. Yeah, honestly, you guys would like to see some of the people who come on campus. We have an open campus. Oh, my God. So um, I-, I would say... Their idea of sex education is pretty warped. I've, I've seen people holding up a sign that says all masturbators are homos. So I have an own personal story <laughs> with wow. one of these campus people. I don't even know. This man, he, I can't diagnose anybody, but I would not say that he's mentally. I sat on a bench right by his little area on Locust, and he Honestly, I couldn't even tell you what he was going for because no matter who walked by, he was screaming at them. He was screaming at everyone. Everyone was going to hell. Everyone was dying. Everyone was home. Everyone had their legs open. I was like, you know what? I am going to go grab my pride flag. (laughs) So I go back to my door. I grabbed my pride flag, and I just sat by the bench, and I read my work for my next class. And so he sees me after a few minutes (laughs) with my pride flag. He goes, oh, my God, you attention whore. I said, who's screaming right now? <laughs> I'm sitting reading work for next period. And I kid you not, he pulls a diaper out of his pocket. A child's diaper throws it at me and says that I'm going to need it because all of the rectum rippers are coming for my asshole. And that's just what it is to be gay. I'm going to get gay bowel syndrome and I'm never going to be able to keep food down for the rest of my life. This is just in everyday life of a student at the University of Pennsylvania. We, we love an open campus. Also, like, we're letting these people teach sex education, question mark. <laughs> I know that's an extreme case, but I bet you he would really like to teach sex education. <laughs> I, I'm sure la- that some evangelical who comes to schools around the U.S. refers to gay sex as rectum rippers. It was so comedic. And when he pulled that diaper, I... I literally died. I was like, Does what? Does he just carry a diaper on hand? He literally had a diaper people? on hand. To, and I'm so wow. glad that it was thrown at me. That is success. That is, such a, story. That is su- a success story right there. Yeah. 
That's what I want to do with my UPenn education. Damn, what were you even talking about? <laughs> oh my god, this rectum ripper man. <laughs> he always gets me going. Because <laughs> that's our first yeah, podcast. Well, to connect Mr. Rectum Ripper and sex education, here's the tea about what's going on in America. People like him who are part of organizations called Crisis Pregnancy Centers, or CPCs for short, are being hired by public schools via federal funding to come into classrooms and give lessons or programs about sex education. And we are going to really dig deep into Crisis Pregnancy Centers in a future episode. What kind of dumb shit is Trump doing? Um, So Trump recently published an anti-trans memo. A series of decisions by the Obama administration loosened the legal concept of gender in federal programs such as education and healthcare, recognizing gender as a choice and not determined by sex assigned at birth. And Trump wants to revert. Trump wants to revert to transphobic policies where one's sex is their gender and there is no distinction between the two. So to Mr. Lying Trump, I just want to let you know, (laughs) I am not transgender, but I am a member of the queer community, and I am going to fight like hell against this proposal, this memo. It is not time to regress yet again in your presidency. It is not time to further put our trans family back into the shadows. This is 2018. We are going to lift up our trans family and we are going to do it loudly just like everything else in your presidency it is a sham and i'm really not here for it so essentially and you need to fix your hair <laughs> i'm sorry big it's facts really bad. do you remember on saturday night live when they ha- when he had someone pull on it and it wasn't a toupee <laughs> do you think it's a toupee honestly i saw an instagram ad a few days ago for this really legendary toupee and the first thing that came to mind was like damn donald trump could really use that <laughs> i feel like it's kind of become his brand now like yeah, if he changed it orange toupee lying corruption that weird twitter profile pic that he'll never change wait i can't this like, man what? he's the president he can he could do a photo shoot he could it's use like a photo zoomed shoot in on his face but anyway, basically Trump and the Department of Health and Human Services, they want to establish a legal definition of sex under Title IX, assigning someone's sex to conform to the genitals that they had at birth. So that's essentially just phasing out transgender. Yeah, I mean, the article that's going around social media, it says transgender, quote, could be defined out of existence under Trump administration. But let me tell you, we're not going to let them. We're going to vote them out. That's a T on that. 2022, here we go. Hey guys, it's Casey and Becky. We're in Center City at Love Park. We're here for a trans rights rally to protest Trump's new anti-trans memo. It's going great so far, guys. Here are a few clips of the speakers. It starts with us. It starts here. We can't address 45 without addressing things here locally first. I see a lot of people's priorities are in the wrong fucking place. So I'm going to direct them back here. Okay? Do you hear me? 
I said, do you fucking hear me? So I just challenge everyone today, don't give a trans person a hug. Don't go walk up and tell a trans person you love them. Drop money in their fucking cash apps. Drop money into their GoFundMe, okay? For anybody, my cash app is Milan Sherry, okay? My cash app is Milan Sherry. I am overworked and underpaid, okay? Can we talk? Let's talk about it. But the reality is, though, our programs need the funding, okay? Our programs need the funding. So, can I get a hat or a bucket or something? Because I'm going to ask, because my mother always told me a closed mouth don't get fed, okay? And I'm going to ask for people to put their money where their mouths are this evening. My name is Milani Koshari. Thank you for having me. Well, y'all already know who I'm about to say. So she works at the Attic Youth Center, and, and this is important as well. But she worked with the Philadelphia School District to create Policy 252. This is a policy that it ensures the safety, ensures equity and justice for all students, regardless of their gender identity and or gender expression. Please help me welcome my mentor, Ms. Hazel Edwards. I'm here to speak my truth. I'm here to speak my, my experience. I was pushed out of school. I was in a single sex school and I came out as a trans woman mid senior year and I was kicked out and pushed out because my gender was not being recognized. My school tried to erase me. Shortly after being pushed out of school, just four months shy of graduation, I was also pushed out of my house and kicked out. And my family tried to erase me. You know, for me, my gender is not a thing that is negotiable. It's not a thing that can be erased. I am here as a queer, transgender woman of color. I am so privileged to have been able to have the access that I've had to be able to go into institutions and provide trainings through the Attic Youth Center, as well as, you know, being able to co-author Policy 252 so that all of the trans and gender non-conforming young people in this city has protections in, yes. in grades kindergarten yes. through 12th grade. a policy that was unanimously passed in 2016. And I keep thinking about my experience in school. You know, when I was just experiencing a lot of internalized transphobia, 
I believed all of the stereotypes and all of the stigma of trans women, specifically trans women of color. And I was, you know, ashamed, but I'm not, because I cannot be erased. Yes. These trans and gender non-conforming young people and young people of color and students here in this school are the most vulnerable. Yes. Trans and gender non-conforming young people are out here experiencing homelessness. We're out here disproportionately affected by systems of oppression that are trying to erase people of color, trying to erase young people, trying to erase trans people, trying to erase folks with disabilities, folks who are und undocumented. Right, fuck that. <laughs> and I'm really like trying to hold back so many tears and so many feelings right now, but just being around so much family, you know, it's just really, you know, making me want to push harder and fight harder. And our existence is resistance. And I just wanted to thank y'all for being here. Thank you for all of the allies, the accomplices that are in this, you know, area, right? I'm thankful for the family to show up today, you know, my trans family, my trans family of color. And I just appreciate all of y'all showing up today. Thank y'all. Thanks for listening to the talk. We'd like to thank Allie Johnson, our podcast director. Joshi from SoundCloud for our music. The Glossberg Recording Studio. And all of our listeners out there. Till next Sunday. <laughs>